You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. The Bible has to say about being a Christian, and so I want to tell you something. What happened to me, me this past week is as I was praying through uh, the sermon, and I was like, man, I, w- I have some, some, great, some thoughts that I want to uh, give for this Sunday, and really excited about this series that we're doing. And then I... Um, you know, sometimes as a disciple, you get moments where the Holy Spirit just speaks to you and you're going in one direction and you decide, decide to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting and you just go in another direction. So that happened to me uh, this past week. Um, and so what we're going to do is kind of put, press pause on the sermon series, Christianish. We'll, we'll continue that next Sunday. Um, and then, uh, but, but I wanted to, to share some thoughts with you this morning, just really about who God is. And what prompted this was some of the things happening around in our world. I, um, you know, obviously last Sunday, the tragedy in Orlando with all the shootings, with the shooting that happened in, in, that, in the nightclub there, 50 people dead, 50 people injured, tragic. Then a few days later, um, I think something that, that hit the news really hard was a two-year-old at a Disney resort uh, playing by the lake, being dragged away by an alligator. That was all over the news. I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but as a father of an almost two-year-old, it struck. It really struck my heart. Then personally, so it's kind of like a self-reflective kind of week, because then personally, the next morning, uh, my son had spent the night at my mother-in-law's house, um, and we got a phone call early in the morning uh, that he had had a seizure. Um, as she was changing him, and so she was, uh, I love my mother-in-law, she's here this morning, and uh, I love that she works in the medical field too, (laughs) because she (laughs) was right there, but you know, um, he had a seizure, and so she was already in the ambulance with him on the way to uh, Chalk, uh, you know, Children's Hospital in Orange County, but we get this phone call, you know, as a parent, you get this phone call, you're not there, it's hard. So, you know, I'm rushing down there to the hospital, and thank God, you know, he's fine. It, it's, you know, reg- normal for this to happen, one to five-year-olds, ear infection, high fever, you know, it happens. And so, amen, right? Um, but it just makes you think a little bit. It makes, it made, some of these events just made me sort of, God, you know? <laughs> Uh, is this really kind of what's happening here? And um, and then you start watching the news and you hear about uh, just dysfunction and broken families and uh, world, you know, chaos in different nations and uh, terrorism. And you get all this stuff happening. And and it made me just think, I, I, I want I need I need to get close to God here. And I started reading the Bible and praying, and I just wanted to share some thoughts with you this morning about God. You guys with me here? I just want to provide some food for thought and for you to leave here, and hopefully it'll, it'll, it'll prompt you to study your own Bible uh, this week and have some great time searching out God. But as I thought about all this, I, I began to get fearful. As I'm reading the Bible, it helped, it comforted me, but I thought about my kids, you know, I'm, I'm as, as a father, it's funny, this morning... Uh, I have four, you know, for those of you who are here for the first time, I got four kids, okay? 
So we have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, an almost two-year-old, and a three-month-old. And so one of the dads, even today, was like, Happy Father's Day. And he was like, I don't know about to congratulate you or just, you know, condolences to you. I'm praying for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, you'll, even, you'll laugh if I tell you who it was, too, because he's a funny guy. But anyway, uh, I was just... You know, it's funny as a dad, you're, you're raising your kids. And I just want to say this, too. We had a great time Friday night. Uh, a lot of the dads here, we had our, our, first, ever, our first annual uh, father-daughter dance, you know. And it was a great time. And we had a blast at Liberty Park there in Cerritos. The dads were able to come and masquerade ball. And my girls got their little masks. And I got my Dark Knight Batman mask. I'm like, yeah, that's the only mask I have. So let's do this. And... Um, and my daughter, Bella, wore a dress. That was her promise to me. I'll wear a dress for you, either father-daughter dance or Father's Day, but not both days. Just one day, Dad. All right, we negotiate, you know, because uh, my daughter is very, you know, she wants to be a ninja. That's her, that's her goal in life. She wants to be a ninja chef, you know. Um, she wants to fight people as she's cooking, you know. So anyway, uh, but I, just, I do want to lift up Julie Jang and Diane Ford for putting this whole event together. It was an incredible, an incredible time. I just love, I love that our church wants to create moments to build memories uh, as a family. I think a family needs to have those kind of traditions. And so uh, we'll do it again next year, and I'm so excited about it. But I love being a dad. It's great. But as I'm thinking about raising my kids and what world they're growing up in, where God's nature is constantly questioned all the time. Morality is based on feeling and experience, but not truth. Authority at any level is mistrusted. Media rules the day, and wisdom is determined by the Disney Channel. How do I help my kids to navigate this world as I try to raise them in the Lord? And so I found this little this scripture here, this kind of nugget, that we're going to kind of focus on today, and we're going to add some more verses to it. And, um, and I hope that it helps you, because it definitely helped me this week, and just kind of thinking through some of this stuff and processing these, these things. And um, So are you guys ready? All right, here we go. Jeremiah chapter 9. Jeremiah is a prophet. He had, he, he's preaching and he's teaching and nobody's listening to him. But he's speaking the words of God himself. God himself is speaking through him. And in chapter 9, he's... Just a little glimpse of what God says. You know, a lot of times we, a lot of times in our world, we try to describe who God is. But you got to love how. Um, uh oh, is this the wrong? This is the wrong thing. You got to love. Yeah, this is the wrong one. Um, you got to love how uh, God describes Himself. You always got to go to that. You can't be like God's this way when He's not really this way. You got to go with what how God describes himself. And in Jeremiah chapter 9, I don't know if it's, is it going to work? Let me know. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, it says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me. That I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declares the Lord. 
I love this statement that God gives to Jeremiah to help his people understand who he is. And he's talking about because the Israelites were boasting, the people were boasting of, we don't need God. We got this. And yet God allows tragedy to happen for them to come to humility and they still don't humble themselves. And yet God is over here and he says, let, let not the wise boast of their wisdom or the strong boast of their strength. You're not all that. In fact, let, if you're going to boast, boast about this, that you have the understanding. Not that you know me, but the ability to potentially know me. And have a relationship with me. Boast about that. That I am the Lord. And he declares himself, I am the Lord, the master, the creator who exercises. This is what I do. God says, this is what I do. You want to know what I do? I do this. I exercise kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. That's what I do. You want to know what God does? That he himself just tells you, this is what I do. And so I want to talk about these areas. I want to talk about the Father's kindness. The Hebrew word for this, this, this word kindness is the word chesed. Say that with me here. Chesed. You got you to gotta do a little ch. All right? You got to do a little ch. Oh, here, here we go. We got it. Awesome. The Father's kindness. Chesed. All right? This is... This is uh, uh, the word, the Hebrew word here. It means loyal, love, faithfulness, goodness, graciousness. God describes himself as the one who exercises, who provides, who gives this attribute in terms of a relationship between him and man. And if you read the Old Testament, you see this over and over and over again with uh, the, the, the Israelites community. Now, and I want, to, I want to show you some different passages where you see this said in a different way, but it's the same word. So David, David and Goliath, we all know that story, right? He got the slingshot, killed the giant, becomes the most famous, the first king, uh, the second king in Israel, most popular guy from his descendants is the line of where Jesus comes from himself. And the promise that, that even the Israelite community divides, God says, I'm still going to leave David and his tribe there because that's my people and all this kind of stuff. And so David is considered a man after God's own heart, and yet he messes up royally by sleeping with a woman that he just sees on the roof of, her, of his house and lusts after her, brings her over, commits adultery, ends up putting her husband at the front lines of the battle, and he's killed. So now David is guilty of murder, adultery, I mean, everything, right? And she bears a son, and God says, because of your sin, I'm going to take your son away. This is tragic. Why would God do something like this? That's why you and I would think. God's evil. God's mean. Kind of like Bella thinks, or my daughter Rocky thinks when I... Take something away from them. They're mean. You're the meanest dad ever. You know? Dad, do you ever get that before? You're the meanest dad ever. You know? That's right. I'm the meanest dad ever. You're right about that. No, I'm just kidding. But David humbles out. He understands, man, I messed up in my covenant agreement relationship with God. And so he writes this psalm, and, and we see the word chesed here. Have mercy on me, Psalm 51. It says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfaithfulness.
unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. This, word, this phrase, unfailing love, is the same word in the Hebrew that's used for describing what God says in Jeremiah, kindness. Okay? So unfailing love and kindness. Chesed. You know, so many in our world have a, such a damaged relationship with their own physical dad that it's very easy to bring that view and perspective into a relationship with God the Father. And therefore, this concept of chesed and kindness and unfailing love and great compassion, this, this concept doesn't really compute in your brain. Because you're constantly, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with a, with a father, or my father left me when I was this age, or I have a, ten, you know, tension in my relationship with my dad, and therefore, in my relationship with God, I just, I can't, it's weird to, I don't understand why he would want me and want a relationship with, you guys follow me in this, in this thought process here? Some of us, then, did have healthy relationships with our dads. But we've seen their failings and, you know, some of their failings and mistakes. And sometimes we attribute the the holes in our own lives to that relationship. And so then we bring that into our relationship with God. And so still, this idea of unfailing love or kindness or chesed, it it doesn't really make sense to us. Israel, if you read the Old Testament again, Israel obeyed and disobeyed God over and over and over again. And he waited, if you, if you do a timeline, he waited over 2,000 years before he decided to enter the chaos himself and send Jesus Christ to live as a human being. I can't even handle three or four minutes of one of my kids' disobedience and complaining. You guys with me on that? I mean, I, I can't. And yet here's God... The Father, giving a certain command to his people, his chosen people, and they continue to test him by disobeying him and sinning against him. And over and over and over again, he says, I'm going to punish you, but then I'm going to save you. I'm going to punish you, and then I'm going to save you. I'm going to discipline you, and then I'm going to save you because my, I'm kind. This is my kindness. This is my unfailing love for you. Psalm 103 describes it this way. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Again, this word chesed is seen here as God's love described in relation to our sin. He doesn't treat you or me as our sin deserves. His love, his kindness, his hesed is as high as the heavens are above the earth. So even though the nation of Israel was sent into exile because of the disobedience, God's kindness, his unfailing love is shown in not completely wiping them out. And it's also shown in the fact that he keeps his promise that they would be a blessing to the nations. 
And this, we see it thousands of years later in Jesus come to fruition. The Israelites' community was still a blessing to the nations. And even though they were scattered, they lost their hometown, they lost, I mean, they were, they were exiled, they were punished, disciplined by God. God could have, and if you and I were God, we'd probably wipe them all out. You're grounded for life. Get out of here. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, this is, this is how, maybe not you, but this is how I would be if I had constant disobedience with the people that I've created. And yet God, in his kindness, says, I'm just going to put you in exile, but you'll still be a blessing to the nations. See, God thinks in terms of millennia. You and I think of terms of 24 hours. God's ways and thoughts are way above you and I. And here we are sometimes in our seat trying to judge God. God, why did you allow that to happen? God, why did you let that happen? God, this is happening in my life. Where are you? God, we see God's thinking 50 years down the road for you. Whereas you're thinking, like, like Miles, how am I going to pay the rent this month? You know what I'm saying? I mean, this is, this is where we get and we start arguing with God and negotiating with God. This hesed, this love, this unfailing love, this this is how God describes himself. Then Paul brings it to Jesus. And he says in Romans chapter 2, he says, So when you, he's talking to, he's talking to the Jewish, he, he talks, takes Romans chapter 1 and talks about Gentiles, people outside of the Jewish community. And then he takes chapter 2 and talks about uh, the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish community. And basically his point is everybody is in need of God and his grace. And so, but the Jewish community had become very prideful and arrogant in their, you know, well, we're, at least we're not as bad as these guys who didn't grow up with the Old Testament. And so Paul says, so when you, a mere human being, he doesn't say Jew or Gentile, he says, you're just a human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his hesed? Forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? I mean, Paul kind of breaks it down. He's like, listen, God has been so kind to you, so loving to you, so compassionate to you. He could have wiped you away because of how you have broken covenant agreement with him with sin. And, his, and you're going to show contempt to his kindness by living the way that you want to live? Should not his kindness, he says, lead you to repentance? To change? To where you become, and you, you become one of his and start really obeying him and having a relationship with him. His kindness, his patience, is intended to lead us to repentance. You ever wonder why God is so patient with you? I've had this in my mind. Man, God, why? I, I know how I've messed up. I know my anger. I know my lack of discipline. I know uh, my outbursts that I've had, even with my own children. I know the things that I've thought that I wanted to say to my wife, for example, I know, 
this stuff. And yet I look at God and he's saying, I, I, I think about this and I think, man, God is so patient with me. It's probably because he's hoping that I come to a point in my life and repent and change. And it's not this white knuckling, I'm going to be different now. No, 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 no. It's a, a, a very sobering of I, I am aware and acknowledge my, my failure as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as an employee, whatever it is, as a neighbor, I need, I should be wiped out. But God says, no, 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 no. My kindness, the reason why I'm waiting 2,000 years for you, for, for, you know, to punish you is so that you would repent. Change. Be different. You ever had a near-death experience? Or heard of a friend that had a near-death experience and then you kind of, man, what if that would have happened to me? You ever wonder why probably you should have died in that near-death experience, but you didn't? Maybe it's because God is hoping that it leads you to repentance. It's his kindness, his hesed in your life. Second thing he talks about is this, this idea of the Father's, we're going we're gonna to put them together, the Father's justice and righteousness. Because you'll see this word here, I don't even know how to pronounce it, so we're not going to try it. But it's, it's this word here, and it's actually, it's interesting when I was doing this word study, is they're, the, they're interchangeable. Justice and righteousness with God are interchangeable. And I'm going to share some things that are a little bit, kind of expand your mind a little bit about these two words. So just kind of follow me here with this. These two words in the Hebrew are interchangeable. And it has to do with relationship and fulfilling an expectation within a covenant relationship. A covenant is right is an agreement that you and I make in terms of, you know, what we're going to proceed to follow in this relationship. So so when there's a covenant, righteousness is fulfilling your end of the bargain, your end of that uh, expectation. It's not necessarily being obedient to a set of rules, but it's really meeting an meeting an expectation in the covenant relationship. So for example, our friends Daniel and Taylor got married this past Thursday. In that covenant relationship, they agreed to be faithful to one another. Okay? Now, Daniel could... I'm not going to talk about Daniel. He's not here. So I'll talk about myself or us as husbands. Okay? A husband will say, I'm going to be committed to you and you only. I'm faithful to you. And that's, the, that's a term in our covenant relationship. And so... And then our wife says the same thing. I'm committed to you and to you only. This is our covenant. Now, I could be the laziest husband and most unspiritual husband but still be faithful to my wife and in this word i would still be righteous does that make sense yes yes no yes i'm all right so so it's weird for us because we don't think of righteousness this way we think righteousness is i'm just going to do the right thing i just got to do the right thing i got to do the right thing that makes me righteous no 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 in the hebrew in the hebrew the word righteousness and justice is all about relationship it has nothing to do with following a set, set of rules. And so this, is, uh, th- this happens in anything. This is an empl- think about your employer-employee relationship. So a person hires you. The covenant there is I show up to work and I do my job and you provide payment so I could live my life. 
Does that make sense? I mean, this, this is our covenant relationship. And so me showing up to work on time and doing my job, I'm full, I am being righteous. Now, I may be doing a bad job, but I'm showing up and doing my job. I'm, I'm technically, in the word Hebrew, Hebrew word here, I'm, I'm being righteous because I'm fulfilling an expectation in this relationship. So God uses this word to describe himself. It's all about relationship. And God says, I exercise this level of justice and righteousness. I am the embodiment of these interchangeable attributes. And it's all played out and seen in his relationship with Israel. And interestingly, as we see in the scriptures, it's played out in his relationship with those who are oppressed. And with those who are needy. And with those who are outsiders of the Israelite community. Psalm 103, back to our, uh, that psalm that we read earlier, Psalm 103, verse 6 says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Again, this, they're interchangeable words there. Deuteronomy 10, uh, verse 18 says, He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. So again, the way that he exercises this justice and righteousness is by defending and by giving. I'm defending the cause, and I'm giving to them. Uh, he keeps on going here in Psalm, 1, in Psalm 10, verse 14. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and take, in hand, and take it in hand. The victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. So this idea of somebody being fatherless, growing up without a father, without a provider, God says, I enter that space, and I provide righteousness. I reconcile that. I provide justice. This, this is who I am. And then um, um, I, I was thinking about this t- topic, too, because God's righteousness and justice is also seen through his ability to discipline his people. You know, there was exile, there was plague, but he always restored them back into a right relationship. You know, you may be going under, undergoing a time of discipline in your life from God right now, and you may think it's unfair. This is unfair, similar to our kids when we discipline them. Why does she get that and I don't get that? You know, this, is, this is how we think. We don't think about us and the parent. We think about what's everybody else. I'm not as bad as that person, or I don't deserve that as much as that person deserves. This is how, this is how we think. And you will, but, but you will look back on it. And you'll realize God transformed your character. The Hebrew writer, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, you know, it's painful. Discipline is painful. Some of that justice can be painful. But it will produce, what? A harvest of righteousness. And he uses that word, that same word, righteousness. A harvest of righteousness, meaning that you will produce an ability to connect with people to bring people, to bring others into a right relationship with yourself and with others. All his justice, all of his righteousness is seen in the fulfillment of Jesus Christ and how Jesus lived his life in relationship with others. You know, Greg talked about last week about Zacchaeus, you know, Jesus and Zacchaeus. So the issue there wasn't, the issue there for Zacchaeus to to exercise God's righteousness in his life was for him to what? To, to give up everything and, get, and, and get, get people that he had stolen from in a right relationship again. 
right? And so just encountering Jesus helped him to do that. Uh, Jesus and the woman at the well, John chapter 4, you know, there was righteousness there because it was all about relationship. To Jesus, it wasn't about doing, necessarily doing the right thing. It was all about the relationship. Now, in the relationship, once we agree in our marriage that I'm going to clean up my socks and put them away, or I'm going to do the dishes, if we agree on that, there's covenant there. And if I don't do the dishes, I'm being unrighteous. I've got to be righteous and do the dishes. Amen, husbands? Husbands, amen? Come on. Mike James? Thumbs up, bro. There you go. Wash them dishes. Romans, again, I love this verse here. Uh-oh, lost it. Romans chapter 3, turn there. Romans 3, verse 25. After Paul makes his point that everybody needs Jesus. Romans 3, verse 25 says, God, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate, look at this word here, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, his patience, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What's he saying here? Paul's basically saying, listen, God in his infinite righteousness and justice, again, could have wiped you away, could have wiped this away, annihilated us. But he said, no, I'm going to enter there and I'm going to bring this into a right relationship. There's nothing that a human being can do to bring it into a right relationship. So I'm going to, because, because basically, the, in order to, for, for, me to, for God and man to be right, blood needed to be shed. This is why you have the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. So instead of the animals being sacrificed, I'm going to enter there, and there's nobody that's going to be able to die for me. You know, it's God speaking. Nobody's going to be able to die for me, so I'm going to actually shed my blood to fulfill righteousness and fulfill my end of the bargain in our covenant relationship. I'm going to die for these people. I'm going to shed my blood for these people. Now, it's up to them to repent. It's up to us to change. It's up to us to, ha- to, to have that relationship with God. And this is righteousness. This is God saying, I'm exercising, my, I, I, I'm exercising righteousness and justice here. As I'm studying this and thinking through all this, I think, okay, what does this mean for me? I'm going to tell you what this means for you and me. An old prophet in the Old Testament during the exile made a great statement during the exile and spoke for God during that time. And it resonates with all of us because he uses the same words that God uses to describe himself. And he says, this is what we need to do and who we need to be. And it reflects, it resonates with all that we've talked about today in reflection of God's incredible nature, especially in considering the tragedy and the hurt that we experience individually and in our world. Micah says, He has shown you, O mortal... That's you and me, by the way. What is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. 
same word as righteousness and justice that we just talked about. To love mercy, to love chesed, that kindness, that unfailing love, to love that and to walk humbly with your God. These are the same words that are used in Jeremiah chapter 9 where God describes himself. So this is what he wants us to do. Act justly, righteously, with integrity, honesty with one another. Dads, are you known by your children as a man of integrity? At your job, are you, the one, are you one who reflects God's righteousness? In your marriage, are you fulfilling what that covenant calls you to fulfill? In relationship to those who are oppressed and those who are needy, because we see that come out more in God's nature, does this describe you? You know, that's why I love about Hope Worldwide. You know, we, we, we work with, a, with our organization, Hope Worldwide, to provide services for the poor and the needy and the press around the world. I love working with Hope Worldwide and, 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 and giving to Hope Worldwide because that's my part of acting justly to help the oppressed. I love doing our Advent conspiracy, building a, a clean water well uh, this past Christmas, which, by the way, we're still in process. Third world countries, man, it takes a long time to get stuff done. So we are still uh, in the conversation and process. They're actually evaluating the land right now to be able to build that water well uh, down in, in Malpaisio, Nicaragua. And I'll tell you, that's our part in acting justly. To love mercy. This chesed, this kindness, goodness, graciousness. Let me ask you something. As a parent, are you a merciful parent? As an individual, are you striving to show mercy to those who have hurt you? See, the, other per- the expectation is not with the other person. The expectation at this point is with God. God's shown this to you. You do so with others. And the last thing he says here is walk humbly because this is, this is actually the thing that ties everything together. This is where it all begins. God's justice. God's justice is above your definition of justice. God's righteousness is beyond yours. You have never, I have never given up my child in order to reconcile a relationship. But that's what God did. God's thoughts are beyond your understanding. Even around the world today, as we try to make sense of tragedies and sufferings, the command here is walk humbly with God. Don't try to tell God what he's doing or not doing. Walk humbly. Study the scriptures. Get in there. Dig this out. Figure out what this means for you. You want to humble yourself, not be humbled by him. I'm going to ask our, our worship team, uh, music team, to come up. I, I want us to sing a song together tonight, t- tonight, today, as we close out our service. And it's a great song. I've been, I feel like I've been singing it like all week long. But it's called Good, Good Father. And the words of the song really describe what I've been talking about today. And my prayer and my hope is that as you take some of these verses and these scriptures, that you can study this, that it will provoke you to think, to pray, to consider God's incredible nature, God's incredible goodness. He is a good, good Father. You and I may not agree at times with what He's doing, but again, He's thinking hundreds of years 
not 24 hours. And we've got to, to look at our relationship with God and through that to act. Come on out, guys. To act justly. To walk humbly. And to love mercy. God has shown his nature to us. Let us do so as well with others. Let's stand together. We're going to sing good, good father. And then we're going to close out with a word of prayer. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.